Amen. You can have a seat. <clears throat> you know, this morning uh, in first service and in this service, I've been struck by the men that we have in our church and how blessed we are. Matt come in and, is, you know, sort of in the last minute is, uh, as it's a hard day for him to lead. I mean, he's been up a lot and we're thankful for him and the rest of the band and their willingness to serve. We had Dick Walmsley filling in for me last week. We have John Parrish doing such a nice job with the school and up here sharing with you. We have Dan Bowles who's around and going to do communion meditation and has worked so hard preparing for our youth events and especially the launched event coming up. And the list could go on and I'll leave people out just in that short little list that I gave. But we're just blessed to have some really fine men involved in the life of our church. And that's not to mention all the many women who serve in our church as well. But I'm just thankful for them. Also this morning, I want to mention uh, we have some folks that are leaving today on a mission trip. Gene Heberling and Lori Nation are headed to House Edelweiss in Austria to work with a group of people coming in to learn how to do ministry. So we want to pray for them. Beth Pyatt is on the way back from her trip to Kenya and her work that she's been doing with a group over there. So let's have prayer over all that along with the Pattersons who are recovering from COVID. And then we'll get into our lesson. Let's pray together. And we're so blessed as a church and to have people who are willing to serve, even right now in the building, in so many different ways. We're thankful for leaders who are willing to step up in times when we need them. And God, I'm thankful for each one that I mentioned this morning. God, we pray for those who are traveling today, either going on a mission trip or coming home from a trip. And God, we ask that you would bless the work that's already been done and the work that is going to be done. Oh, we pray you'll bless us as a church, pray you'll bless the Pattersons as they recover, and God, we ask that you would be at work even now as we open your word together. We're thankful for all that, and we ask for your spirit to be at work in Jesus' name, amen. You know, each of us in the most important relationships in our lives really want to be affirmed that the people who matter the most love us, right? We want to know that they feel the way that they always have, that they still, are, are, they still love us and they, that we're important to them, that we matter to them, that they maybe respect us, care for us, all of those things. And it feels good to hear them say that. And that's when we buy cards for each other and gifts to affirm that the relationship is still strong. We need that. And maybe you came from one of those families that is sort of like, I told you I loved you 10 years ago, nothing's changed, so I don't need to give you an update, right? But but we want more than that. We do. We, we want to feel good about those relationships with spouses and kids and parents and co-workers and people we go to church with and friends, all those important relationships. And I think that's also true in our relationship with God. We want to know that we're in a good relationship with God, that he still loves us, that he cares for us, all those things. But the problem is, most of the time, we don't hear God say that audibly, like God doesn't speak that to me, but that's what this series has really been about that we're bringing to a close today. I've called it That You May Know, because that's language that John uses in the letter we call 1 John, and I believe that letter was written with the intent of making some Christians feel confident about their relationship with God, confident that they were in the right place. And so in this letter, John lays out several tests. He says, this is how you can know. And he says, if this test sort of resonates with you and you think, yeah, that, that's me, then you can feel confident. But there are also times when we read those tests and we go, well, you know, this, <clears throat> this is an area I need to do some work. 
This is a place that I really need to focus in and make some changes in my life. And really, either one of those reactions is appropriate and it's good for us to feel good in some ways and then to be challenged in some ways as well. And so those tests have come across to us over the past few weeks. We've talked about obedience how God calls us to obey His commands. And though none of us are going to be perfect in obedience, maybe those commands do sort of, they resonate with us. And this is the way our life would be described by the people who know us best. But even though we may strive for that, we make mistakes, and when we repent, we can find forgiveness. That was the second test. We talked about love being a characteristic of our lives and pursuing what matters and what lasts. And then last week, Dick Wamsley did a great job filling in while we were out of town talking to you about faith and how important that is. And without faith, man, none of the rest of it matters, right? So each one of those tells us a piece of our relationship with God. And that's why I've said from the beginning of this series, if you miss a week or two, catch up online because you won't get the full picture unless you hear all of those tests. Now today, we come to one more test. And I think even with all those others sort of in our minds, we may still sort of want to know, I wish God would speak to me and be active in some way that I can know that I'm in the right place. And I think this test takes us a little further down that road, and it really is different from the rest of them. And to get at it, I want us to begin in 1 John chapter 4. Now, we're going to skip around actually all over the New Testament today. John sort of circles back and forth between these tests in 1 John. And we're going to even jump into the Gospel of John today. But this is what he says 1 John chapter 4, verse 13. John says, By this we know that we abide in him and he in us. Now let's pause right there because we've learned that when John uses that kind of language, that abide in him and he abides in us, that's the language that one of these tests is introduced by. So he's, he's telling us, here's one of the tests. What is it? He says that because he has given us of his Spirit. So God has given part of Himself. When we talk about our spirit, we're talking about the part that is at the core, the, the thing that makes me, me, the thing that's going to be there for eternity. And so God has taken part of His spirit and placed it in me and in you. Well, what does that do? Now, it doesn't make us God, right? But there is something of God in me, something of God that is transforming who I am from the inside out. We're going to think about how that works in a few minutes, but I think one of the things that we have to remind ourselves is this is not just for a special group of Christians, right? It's not that we do something special beyond what everybody else does so we can earn God's Spirit at work in us. It's not just for super Christians. It's not just for somebody who knows the special code. This is really for everyone. And we also need to be reminded that, you know, sometimes we have a lot of debate in Christian circles over how the Spirit works and there's controversy. And, and because of that, sometimes we just, we just don't talk about it. And I think that's a huge mistake because we're missing out on a big blessing that God has provided. Now, back to that thought of who receives this gift of the Spirit. If we jump down a couple verses, John says this in verse 15, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. 
So John is saying, listen, it's not about achieving something like work. You become a Christian, then you work really hard, and then the Spirit comes into your life. He says, if you confess Jesus as Lord, the Spirit's at work in you. Now that echoes something that we find that happened earlier. Back on the very first day of the church, the day of Pentecost, Here's John standing with Peter and the rest of the apostles before this huge group of people. And Peter lays out the truth, the gospel, and he says, listen, all you people, thousands of people, God sent his son to be the Messiah, the one who was promised, the one to fulfill all of God's promises, and you killed him. And they're convicted. And when they realize what they've done, they say, what do we do about that? I mean, what's our response? If we really are guilty of killing God's son, how do we respond to this? So they believe that Jesus was God's son. This is what Peter tells them in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. So if they believe that they've done this wrong, how do they respond? Number one, they repent. We've talked about that in this series. Uh, John says if we confess our sins, God's faithful to forgive us. Repentance is involved in that. When we say I'm a sinner, we say I feel bad about that. I want to be different. That's repentance. And then he says be baptized. And he says there's two things about baptism we need to know. First of all, baptism puts us in contact with forgiveness. Now, is it because it's magic water? No. Okay, this is the power of God at work. Not in magical water, but in this act of obedience, we find forgiveness. And he also says we receive the gift of the Spirit. Again, not just a special group of people, but everyone who chooses to follow Jesus, repent of their sins, and is baptized into Christ, receives that incredible gift of God at work in them. And then he says, it's not just for you here, it's for you and your kids and everybody who's near and everybody who's far and everybody for all time. If they do this, God is active through his spirit in them. So this is a message that's consistent all the way through the New Testament. Throughout the life of the church, from the very beginning, on the day of Pentecost, until John writes many years later, that the Spirit of God is part of being a Christian. So, if you're wondering, God's Spirit is at work in you. If you've made the decision to be a follower of Jesus, God is at work in you through His Spirit. Every single one of us who've chosen to follow Jesus. And so when John says, this is how you know that God abides in you and you in Him, it's through the Spirit of God at work in every one of us, which is promised to everyone who follows. So what does that look like? Well, John doesn't talk a lot about that in 1 John the letter, but we also know that there is the Gospel of John, and the themes of the two books are very similar. One's in story form, the life of Jesus. One's sort of in this letter form, almost essay form, as we see in 1 John. But apparently the Spirit was important to Jesus, because in the Gospel of John, 
We have this unique writing because it's a little different than the other Gospels. And John records a lot more from the last meal that Jesus had with his disciples. Okay, These discourses, they're called. And Jesus talks about the Spirit. And John makes sure we know about that. So how does the Spirit work? Well, we can turn over to, 1 John, to John excuse me, chapter 14. And this is what John says, really the words of Jesus that John records for us in verse 26. But the helper, and sometimes you might hear that word in your Bible, might be translated the advocate, one who speaks for us. The comforter, the one who takes care of us. All those are accurate translations of this word. The helper, the Holy Spirit. Okay? This is the same spirit John's talking about in 1 John. Okay? The same spirit that Peter's talking about in Acts. God's spirit at work in us. The helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, Jesus talking, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So part of the promise of the Spirit is we're told what we need to say. So when you're talking about Jesus to someone you love, talking about Jesus to a friend of yours, part of the message is that God is at work giving you the right words to speak. Now, this makes sense because as Jesus said that, two of the men who were in that group were Matthew and John. God's Spirit gave them recall of what Jesus said to write down for us the words that we have in those two Gospels, Matthew and John. And then we are given those words. And part of the work of the Holy Spirit is to give us the words to speak to the people that we know the truth about Jesus. That's part of what we're given. Then chapter 16, verse 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, Jesus speaking again, is it to your advantage that I go away? Now, Jesus had told them, I'm going away. They didn't really get it, okay? He says it over and over again. They still don't get it. And they probably wouldn't like it if they did. But he's saying, listen, you want me to do this, for if I do not go away, the Helper, the Spirit, okay, will not come to you. But if I go, I'll send him to you. And when he comes... He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. And so part of the work of the Holy Spirit is to remind people that there is good, there is bad. right? There are dark forces at work in our world. And we need to recognize what's right and wrong. And part of the work of the Spirit is to bring us to the point of repentance so that we'll change. That's part of what God's Spirit does. And sometimes He uses us to do that. Sometimes the Spirit does that to us to help us see that what we're doing is wrong, that it is unrighteousness. Now, we could go on and on. And in fact, if you read these discourses, as they're called, Jesus sitting with His disciples, this is the last thing He's going to say to them. John fills several chapters with this. Read through it, and Jesus again and again refers to the Advocate, the Helper, the Comforter, the Spirit, talking about the way God's Spirit is going to be at work in them. And as I read through all that, and we could spend a lot more time talking about it, as I read through all that, what I want, to hear, I want us to hear John telling us is to depend on God's Spirit. I mean, part of the message here is the test is the Spirit is at work. Well, guess what? The Spirit is at work in you. And what we've all got to do is learn to depend on that Spirit. Now, this test is different from all the others in this. You're not in control. 
and neither am I. You see, we like lists that we can make, steps that we can take. We're going to get to that a little bit in a few minutes. But, but the big message here for this test is, this is God at work, not me at work. This is God taking control and me giving over control. I am saying I want to submit to God's leading in His Spirit. So I'm not going to be in charge. We're not fond of that. We like to set the course. We like to know the direction, the path we're going to take. We like to be in control. And part of the message here is we're not in control. It's interesting that the word in Greek for both spirit and wind is exactly the same word. Can you control the wind? Not in Illinois, right? We can't control the wind. We can't control the Spirit of God either. This is God in control. Now, there are some steps that I think we can take to allow God's Spirit to lead us and to be aware of that more directly, but the big message is, we depend on God. Now, there are some things we can do. First, know that the Spirit is promised to us, to every single one of us. If we make the decision to follow Jesus, God's Spirit is at work in us to confirm this relationship. We can't do something more to earn God's Spirit. Okay? So God's at work in you. The second thing is to pray for an awareness of God's Spirit. What I want to do is ask God to show me. Let me know in this situation that this is not me, okay? This is God. This is God at work in me. Let me see that. And I think it's worth praying that God would make us aware when His Spirit is at work. To make other people around us aware that God's Spirit is helping them through a difficult time. It is good for us to pray that God would show us His Spirit at work and then finally to develop a reliance on God's Spirit. You know, when we're going through a difficult time, could be as a parent, could be as a spouse, could be at work, could even be at church. And we say, God, show me how to fix this. God, let me know what to do to make this right. That's not a bad prayer. But maybe a better prayer would be, God, help me understand how your Spirit is leading me. God, show me your Spirit at work so that I can follow. Not show me how to fix this myself because I may not be able to fix it. I may not be able to make it right. But God, show me your Spirit at work so I can follow you and do whatever it is that you want me to do. Help me to know how your wind is blowing so that I can go with you because it's your spirit, not me, that's going to get me through this. You know, think about that and sort of think about this whole series coming together. You know, as, as your pastor, as someone who stands up here and you're, you're willing to kindly listen to me on a weekly basis, you know, one of the things that I want for you is that you don't spend your whole life worried about your relationship with God. I think it's the same heart that John had for the people who read this letter originally. Now, we need times where we correct things and make things right. We need to reform ourselves according to God's Spirit. But I think so many people, and, and talk to me over the years, 
and have said, I'm worried that God can't forgive me. I'm worried I've done this thing that's so wrong that, that I know other people can be forgiven, but not me. I don't think I do enough good to be right with God. Well, guess what? You don't, and neither do I. None of us do, right? We, we can't earn our way to God. We can't earn His Spirit, earn His forgiveness, any of those things. But what we can do is submit ourselves to God in faith and repentance and baptism And then we can be confident in this relationship. He wants us to be confident in this relationship. And so it's my hope that over the past few weeks, you've begun to feel more confident. Because this life is not about fearing our relationship with God. It's about celebrating our relationship with God. And what we have with each other because of what God is at work doing in us. So as we finish up, it's my hope that all the way through this, you're learning to obey and accept forgiveness and love and value the things that last for eternity. Put your faith in Jesus more strongly every day and to depend on His Spirit. Because when you do, you're going to be more confident in Him. Let's pray together. God, we're thankful for Your Spirit at work in us. Thankful that you love us enough to send Jesus. You love us enough to to send your spirit at work in our lives. And God, we pray as you do, we'll be aware of it. Pray all that in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and we'll continue to worship.